What's this podcast about? Even I don't know. Tune in while I figure it out. All right, guys, let's plow through this thing. What's up? My name is Josh Richmond. You're listening to Josh Figures It Out. This is part three of a special trilogy about the best music of 2014. Parts one and two were recorded with Christian James Hand. As you know, if you've heard the first two hours of that conversation, the final hour and change of that conversation was lost forever to history and the Venus flytrap that is my hard drive. I apologize. But I'm back today because I could not possibly leave you guys hanging and give you only the first 15 songs of my 36 song 2014 yearbook super list, of which I've already let you know that I do a similar list every single year. The people need to know. The people cry out for these things. So today it's not going to be a full-fledged podcast. I'm not going to do the full intro or anything. But after I go through all these tracks, I'm going to try to go through all these tracks fairly quickly, just so you guys know what's out there, and maybe you can discover a couple of these artists on your own to check out. After all that is done, I've gotten some requests to be like, hey, Josh, why don't you just kind of talk about what's going on in your life on your podcast anymore? Why does it always have to be so specifically about Coen Brothers movies, etc.? Well, you know what? I got a chance to do a bit of a solo podcast dealio here, so... Yeah, when I'm done with all the music picks, I'll free associate a little bit and think about, hey, how do I feel about where I'm at in 2014? But first, first let's make it about the music, guys. Oh, I gotta wake up. I'm deep in vacay mode, guys. I am deep, deep into vacation mode. You should see my beard right now. I'm like, God, I've got like a Grizzly Adams beard going. My sleep's... I'm I'm like, I'm going to sleep at 5 a.m. and waking up at 1. I could not give a fuck right now it's great my only obligation is that my folks are out of town they're in cuba how cool is that they get to witness the transition from cuba finding its first tentative steps of being an allied country with the u.s once again they might be some of the very last ever american tourists who get to see cuba untouched with the 60s cars and the the whole time capsule thing they got going on before it's Suddenly opened up to the rest of the world and Cuba gets Twitter and all that. So that's exciting. But I have been tasked with watching their dogs for two weeks, which means I just get to stay in their house and watch their dogs and just chill. I don't even I don't have to work, I don't have to do anything this week. It's great. One of my other few obligations is I was like, oh fuck, I promised the people this podcast. What are they gonna do without it? And I thought I'd had it all wrapped up when I recorded it on Friday that it turns out I didn't. So here we are. The good news is there's a lot of great music to talk about that we have not gotten to in the prior two hours. Man, what was I thinking? I was like, oh, when I did, it was like JFIO episode three. When I did my top 36 list then, it just went by like a flash because I was the only person there talking about it. Of course, when you have a conversation about every single song, it's different. But you live and you learn, guys. You live and you learn. So here we go. Live. On a Friday afternoon in the middle of the Christmas season from my living room. Where do we leave off? I think we left off with Untold. Drop it on the one. Drop drop it on the one. That was some dizzying head spinning shit. Let's pick it back up with another artist who had a dizzying year in 2014. Beyonce. Guys, yes. 
Beyonce released her self-titled album, Beyonce, in late 2013, I am well aware. You could go back and you could listen to that aforementioned Josh Figures It Out episode. It was recorded very shortly after Beyonce dropped that album, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it on the 2014 list because it's too late to get on my 2013 list. I'm sure it will find a spot that year. Here we go. It's the end of 2014. As it turns out, Beyonce not only released an album that would become a major part of 2014, she probably had, had the most dominant 2014 of any artist, save possibly Taylor Swift, but I think she even beat out Taylor Swift. That's how completely this was the year of Beyonce. And yes, a lot of it had to do with the release strategy and the music videos and her VMA appearances and her complete essential grasp of the zeitgeist and god working hashtags into her tracks surfboard and i woke up like this and while completely embracing feminism and showing a confidence in your icon status that hasn't been seen perhaps since her husband jay-z released the blueprint followed by the black album back in the day but the music is really what left a log log shadow over this year making a strong case to be the most important, if not the best album of 2014. Beyonce self-titled contained tracks like this, tracks like this that got radio airplay. This is such a bizarre, winding, structuralist track that works solely because of Beyonce's like insane vocal charisma. It's a track called Drunk in Love featuring Jay-Z off her self-titled album Beyonce. I mean, not to give short shrift to the production there, which is stuffed to the gills and all over the place in the best possible way, but wow, does she owe that song. And not to mention tracks like EXO and Flawless and a personal favorite of mine, Rocket, I think was kind of underrated. That, that whole album, Pretty Hurts, but man, it, wasn't that, it was like 2012 that I was already thinking, man, Bianca's on her way down. She had those couple solo hits, but obviously Rihanna's where it's at. She seems to have mastered that pop hit-making formula in our decade. But Beyonce threw out the formula entirely, completely unapologetically embraced her icon status, made a stunning statement of confidence. Wow. It's still it's still a staggering accomplishment in this day and age. Oh, we got an interesting one next. I think we might have mentioned on an earlier episode, we were talking about how oftentimes the best pop music is made when guys who are really avant-garde and making music that is completely exists on that bleeding edge, try to make a pop statement and um, and applying those kind of warped musical sensibilities to pop music. And I don't think you can find a better example of this this year than a British DJ producer named Andy Stott made an incredible album a couple years ago called Luxury Problems that are just these slowly paced, trippy soundscapes with incredibly huge drums and... And it was the beginning of his collaboration of Alison Skidmore, his vocalist, beautiful singer, but just the way that he would take apart individual syllables in an almost Matthew Herbert-like way 
and deconstruct it into like its purest sound essence and make entire tracks around them. It's some incredible stuff there, but he may have even surpassed himself this year with an album called Faith in Strangers, including the title track, which finds him moving away from that territory and moving towards something that could reasonably be called pop. This track in particular reminds me a lot of Massive Attack. It's got these very of-the-now skittering filtered drums, but you still have Alison Skidmore's presence in the center there, anchoring this thing, turning it into a real pop song, albeit the melancholy kind. Check out Faith in Strangers. It's just it's just a beautiful mix of sounds and the the that otherworldly coup in the background, the layers upon layers of Skidmore's. It's just it's great. Oh, good. What about this song? Have you been feeling down to the dubs these holidays? It's literally impossible to feel down to the dubs when this track is playing. mixed opinion about happy uh christian had came out in strong defense of this track when he played it calling it just essentially perfect for all just a master of his instrument i'm i don't totally disagree to me though this this feels like he's he's essentially he's throwing a dart and hitting a bullseye smack dab in the center of his comfort zone not stretching himself in any way not trying any tricks this is as far from something like grinding as you could get it is just I mean, it's just, it's wallpaper. It's oral wallpaper. Yes, it does a good job of evoking that sensation of happiness. And it's true that it's harder to make a great pop song about happiness than it is about, you know, anger or sadness or jealousy or falling in love or any of the more exciting emotions. Happiness is kind of just there. And this song is kind of just there. It's very simple. It's very catchy. I totally see why it's the biggest hit sales-wise of 2014. Pharrell has, of course, more than proven himself as an artist. He he deserves the success. Good for him. I'm just saying, it's like it's like a Teflon song. It's there's nothing to grab onto. I prefer my pop songs a little stranger and a little edgier, even if the way they are edgy is just. I like songs that establish themselves of a point of view, even if that point of view is just how many times can you squeeze the word "fuck" into my chorus. That's about how I feel about this track called I Don't Fuck With You by Big Sean featuring E-40. We already talked about DJ Mustard a little bit. This was this was for sure DJ Mustard's year. This, on this particular track, he's getting a bit of an assist from one Kanye West. It's again, uh, like Nicki Minaj. Uh, this guy is on some dumb shit here. 
It's just a wonderfully stupid and offensive track. In, in so many ways, and so many ways this year in music, I think felt safe to me. A lot like Happy. And a lot of solid hits and solid pieces of music being scored in established styles, but still, still feeling like we're on the edge of finding that next thing. They were seeing trends winding down without quite seeing new trends start up. And this doesn't really succeed in paving any new ground music-wise, but there is something that feels a little bit transgressive about that, and in 2014, I treasured that. Here we go. I Don't Fuck With You by Big Sean. Aw oh, man, silly me. I just bought a crib, three stories, that bitch a trilogy. And you know I'm rolling, we just fucking up the ozone. I got a bitch that texts me, she ain't got no clothes on. And then another one texts me, yo ass next. And I'ma text your ass back like, I don't fuck with you. You little stupid ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. You little, you little dumb ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. I got a million trillion things I'd rather fucking do than to be fucking with you. Little stupid ass, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Look, simple, spare, perfect. What more could you want? My house, three stories, that bitch a trilogy. Come on, come on. It's a that's a killer punchline. Hey, remember before how on a previous episode how I was talking about how two certain albums were going to be my number one and number two for the year, and one of them was Run the Jewels, which we already played. This is the other one. It was released early in the year. The artist, Sun Kill Moon, a.k.a. Mark Gazelic, took a lot of heat this year, mostly for shitting all over the band of War on Drugs, with tracks like War on Drugs Suck My Cock. Yes, okay, a little juvenile, but frankly, I'm a little bit with him on War on Drugs. And even, and even besides that, it doesn't detract from the, the music. This guy, he's a lifer. He used to be in Red House Painters. He's been making indie music with that completely unique, utterly melancholy voice of his. And he's had a tendency in the past, I think, to make music that all sounds very good and melodic and beautiful, but also kind of all sounds the same. He hit a real pocket here, though, on an album called Benji this year and freed himself up in a big way by avoiding poetry and metaphor and really speaking in prose and and just using like just these real sounding evocative details to create these character sketches and series of observations about his life it's completely immersive and the effect is both very very old school musically and almost like reading somebody's live journal in terms of just sheer bearing your soul and putting it all out there it was messy and beautiful and one of the uh yeah just most beautiful and life-affirming records of the year benji A track from it that I think really just illustrates the beautiful simplicity at work here is a track called I Love My Dad. It's just a track about how much he loves his dad and sharing anecdotes about things his dad taught him. Like this. Let's take a listen to a verse. When I was young, my dad taught me the beauty of patience. We'd go and hang with his friend Billy wrestling matches on TV and Billy couldn't move cars. He was handicapped and I learned to shoot the shit. Now to kill. Sweet stuff there. Sun Kill Moon doing Benji, the track I Love My Dad. Young Thug had a big breakout year in hip hop. I, I could have picked a whole bunch of different Young Thug projects. Uh, I could have very easily picked Danny Glover from his Black Portland mixtape. 
I could have picked Stoner. I could have picked... He, he was... He was all over the place, and he, and he has this very distinctive, high-pitched, evocative flow, stretching out syllables and just having his way with tracks. It's sticky, and it's funny, and it's a little bit unhinged, and it doesn't feel safe, Like which, once again, is something I really privileged this year. And hopefully it will open the door for rap to continue to get even weirder as we continue to get more and more ripples outward from Lil B to My Ghost to Young Thug and on and on. I love it. This track might have been the best illustration of what Young Thug does best this year. It's a track from his mixtape with Rich Homie Kwan, Rich Gang. This track is called Lifestyle. I got a mom's bitch. She got a mom's bitch. I got sisters and brothers to feed. I ain't gone. Not like no idiot. I'm a Did a lot of shit just to live this here lifestyle. Came straight from the bottom to the top of my lifestyle. At the same time, I love McConan, I think, took a little bit of his heat this year, uh, finding some ways to, finding a real pop hit with a, a similar style. But I think there's room for both. We'll get to I love McConan in a sec. Look, first, guys, swans. Swans have been around since the 80s making some of the most impenetrable and terrifying art rock that you could hear just about anywhere. They came back big a couple years ago with this behemoth double album called The Seer. These long, like, half-hour-length tracks that just him, Michael Gira, this, like, 65-year-old man in a cowboy hat, and this giant band he's assembled that uses no amplifiers or electronic instruments of any kind, just creating this enormous but acoustic wall of sound... That's not that's not atonal as much as like incredibly repetitive. They'll stay on one chord for twenty minutes at a time and just drill it into your brain. Just incredible incredible use of dynamics. It's great stuff. Seer was great. They they I think outdid themselves this year with the album To Be Kind, which I think actually holds up better as an album and the individual songs feel better and more fleshed out as well. Amazing to see Swans continuing to push themselves in 2014. Check out A Little God in My Hands from To Be Kind. It is just sick, and it's, and it's particularly hard to distill suns into a 30-second clip, so if that intrigued you in even the slightest, check it out on Spotify or something. It's the thing, guys. It's so easy to find this stuff on the internet for free. All of it. Just think of me as a guide through the flood of music that came out here this year. Just a curator. Just trying my best to sort through those piles for you and give you just the good shit. If you went to other sources, for example, you might not hear a whole lot about the Schoolboy Q record Oxymoron. It got a whole lot of hype earlier in the year, and then got a little bit forgotten about. I think there was a feeling it was kind of a disappointment. In my opinion, that record's a little bit slept on. 
a couple of really solid tracks on it. Collard Greens, Break the Bank. Man, Schoolboy Q, he's trying to be a rapper writing hit radio rap singles. And I think he's doing it very, very well. He's not making another good kit, Mad City, but he's not trying to either. And for somebody who's holding up, he's doing a good job of holding down the poppier end of TDE. It's not Isaiah Rashad, okay? But listen, Man of the Year. This is just one of the most purely fun rap tracks I heard this year. Got a great sing-along hook. Something where you would genuinely could imagine people putting their hands in the ear and finding this an anthem. Man of the Year from Oxymoron. This is Schoolboy Q. Man of the year, man of the bounce. Rusty girls everywhere. Pretty ass hands in the air. Somebody over here. Shaking for the man of the year. Man of the year, man of the bounce. Home of the party in the tree. Sunny land, land of the G's. Please let a nigga breathe. Tank top, top down for the breeze. Burnt lips, got a blunt full of weed. Peace, love in the means. Nigga, I ain't come for the beef. You ain't no sheep. Came for the sweet. Got fight for the cheeks. Nigga, I'm the life for the beef. Fuck that, this year gotta eat. Bout bounce for the crown. You be hating and I still hold it down. When you round, man, the girls never lounge. Man, I heard you a hound. Right, man, that bitch need a bounce. Tip, 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 bounce out of gown. Speaking of Kendrick Lamar. He had, a, he had a single this year. He had a single called I. Wasn't my favorite. I'm glad you love yourself. It's great. You know, you had a big run of success. You should love yourself. You should be pretty happy being Kendrick Lamar. That was not my favorite Kendrick release this year, though. The big one, possibly perhaps the, the rappers of the year, came on Flying Lotus's record, You're Dead. Kendrick laid a verse on that record called Never on the track Never Catch Me. And this is something Christian Hans said that I'm going to bring back because I totally agree with it. It feels like both the rapper and the producer are bringing their absolute A-plus game here in an attempt to outdo the other. Fly low thinking, man, I got Kendrick on my track. I have to bring it as absolute, absolutely hard as he can. It sounds like the absolute quintessential Flying Lotus track, and he's throwing so much stuff into the mix. And meanwhile, Kendrick, it's, it is not easy to rap over a Flying Lotus beat. There's a lot going on, and it's high tempos, but Kendrick Lamar absolutely murdering this beat. Check out Never Catch Me. Analyze my demise, I say I'm super anxious. Recognize I deprive this bit and then embrace it. Vandalizing these walls only if they can talk. Conversations on contemplate to my dark thoughts. Looking down on my soul now. Tell me I'm in control now. Tell me I can live long and I can live wrong and I can live right and I can sing song and I can unite with you that I love, you that I like. Look at my life and tell me I fight. Is that final destination? Is that fancy information? Is that fancy inspiration? Now we come to a record that, according to Metacritic, the site that uh, takes all the critics' top ten lists and kind of mixes them together into a big stew and pulls out the number one record, according to them, the number one most critically acclaimed record in 2014 was by a band called War on Drugs. War on Drugs, a lot of people love these guys. So who who am I to say they're not good, you know? When you make music that resonates with that many people, sometimes you just think, obviously you're doing something right. And I'm like something like Let It Go, which I just, I just, I could not justify putting it on my list because I know if it ever came up on my iPod, I would skip it every single time. I won't skip War on Drugs. There, it's not a style of music that I particularly want to hear. It does, to use a Marcusella quote, it does feel very Starbucks rock. You can't tell what the hell he's singing about, but the chords are uplifting, and, you know, there's a lot of guitar solos and guitar heroism. It's very Bruce Springsteen, 
and it's very dire straits, and I was really never a big fan of either of those guys to begin with. It's, a, I guess, maybe a bit of manufactured uplift if I'm going to be really critical. But if I'm, if I'm turning off that critical ear, I could just imagine, yes, if you put this on and you drive around, some great driving music. The lead guy from War on Drugs, Adam Granduschel, he spent like a year making this thing, and it shows it's clearly a labor of love from a perfectionist who worked his ass off getting those guitar tones incredibly perfect. And a song like this one from the record Lost in the Dream, An Ocean in Between the Waves. There is a nice build to it, and, it, and, and the chords are great. And it does feel almost life-affirming if you listen to it in the right frame of mind. Guys, this might be your new favorite record. It's a whole lot of other people's. It's an ocean in between the waves from The War on Drugs. How about a critically acclaimed record I can completely get behind? So FKA Twigs was a big breakout sensation this year, aka formerly known as Twigs, that's what the FKA means, aka Robert Pattinson's girlfriend, if that's what you're into. Twilight, trivia, you can drop that at your next cocktail party. Then maybe you're going to today, when is this going to come out, January 2nd? You can go to a January 2nd party. Hey, it's the second day of the year. Second day of the year never gets as much attention. It's like the John Adams of days. It's just a really awkward place to be stuck in. But from a true year of women in music, but we've, they've obviously dominated the pop charts this year. But for a prime example of how completely they've dominated the underground too, listen to this record. Because it, it doesn't get more cutting edge than this in terms of production. And it's all coming from Twigs herself, who knows exactly what she wants and... Her vision is so clear throughout this record, despite working with a ton of different producers. It's an extremely synthetic, extremely extremely electronic sound that nonetheless feels like it's constantly changing and mutating and breathing, and it feels alive and sexual. It's stunning work, and her voice is pitched exactly right in the center of it. She's the eye in the center of the storm. And her voice, it's, it's so strong, yet so so controlled yet so full of emotion it's 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 a beautiful record a lot of people would have picked the track two weeks my personal favorite track off the record is uh this track called pendulum which i'll play you a sample of right now listen to all the different like speeds things are going at it's like a bunch of malfunctioning clocks all in the same room how does it fit together so well And there's this 80s-style guitar on the hooks that feels like something out of the double X, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's an amazingly beautiful, lush sound that she's come up with. It's so 2014. 
Again, that one sign of how R&B continued to be a big player this year. FKA Twigs holding down the more experimental side of R&B, but then taking a similar vocal style, a very Aaliyah-influenced vocal style, and applying it to a much more of the moments instead of of the future pop sound with a lot of success. I'm talking about Tadash. She had a big hit this year with uh, Two On, uh, D- another DJ Mustard production. But the whole record, she put the whole record, the record's called Aquarius. Really good start to finish. She's only 22 years old and she's got great taste in tracks and great taste in songs. This, and this is one of my favorite uh, R&B ballads this year, and one of the few ballads I'm including in general, but a really good one featuring ASAP Rocky, uh, the track Pretend from Aquarius. Yeah, to me, she's the next, like, Ariana Grande, an artist who's uh, obviously talented, just starting to break out this year, but has way bigger things ahead of her. Instead of talking about next year's Ariana Grande, though, let's talk about this year's Ariana Grande, a.k.a. Ariana Grande. I feel like I've talked enough about Problem at this point, Um, but shit, it stole my song of the summer, and it's still just such a crazy combination of parts that should not work in but completely do and holds together as one singular pop song still. Sounds like nothing else that came out this year. But just before I play a track from that, I do want to point out that Ariana Grande also had a really good follow-up single in Break Free, plus she did that track of The Weeknd. She's got got something. She's going places. I like this kid. Okay, so remember when we were talking earlier about Pompeii, Bastille's Pompeii, and talking about how as ridiculous and cool of a production as that is, still not my ultimate pick for the big mainstream rock song of 2014. I was only going to include one. It's weird. What does mainstream rock even mean anymore in 2014? Foo Fighters? It's not even like, I'm according to like the Grammys, the big breakout rock song, or rock star this year was Lord. Who is just who is so far from rock at this point? I think the word rock has basically lost all meaning when it comes to the pop charts. It's more like an especially polished version of indie pop is what gets called rock. So even this track, I would not call it rock, but I also would not call it another Foster the People either. How do you explain the rise of a song like this? All I can say is Wax has got to be pissed. I know that you're an Blessing to the day I die, so love my friend, but the answer 
it's the funny thing is it's that song rude uh by the artist magic m-a-g-i-c all caps exclamation point we get it you're magic you don't have to rub it in our faces crazy thing it's and and christian fully agreed with me on this it's a a really well-made track it is i get it i get why it's a hit all the little echoes the dub production is just beautifully polished perfectly exploiting the audience who still has an unsated appetite for sublime songs and making a pop hit out of it the lyrics are strange for a pop song and very specific but that's not a bad thing at all it's an old-fashioned story song of the kinds you don't hear a ton of anymore when everything is more about i i you know i love myself or i'm shaking off the haters i'm drunk in love it's all me 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 this and for all I know, this guy really did have to like ask his wife's dad three times for permission to marry his wife or something. I don't know, but it feels like a character song. It is rare to hear those kind of hits nowadays. So I get it, and congratulations, Magic. What was the alternative breakout hit of the year? I think it had to be a band called Future Islands, particularly after an appearance on, of all things, the David Letterman show that went viral and completely made a star out of this singer. You know, doing death metal growls and lunging all over the stage. I'm a little bit disappointed to find that the studio recording of this song, Seasons Waiting on You, just named by Pitchfork the their number one top song for 2014. And it is a great synth-pop song and a deeply felt song. But I gotta say that that Letterman version is the one that sticks in my head and I think a lot of people's heads. Still a big year for Future Islands. This was a really solid record, start to finish, for sure. And some great bass playing with, and just some some really passionate vocals on top of it. Goes a long way. Do an unironically deeply felt song in 2014. Once again, I think Beyonce may have had the dominant year for a pop star of 2014. Perhaps the most dominant year of any pop star since since I can't even remember. But that doesn't mean she did have challengers. And a strong number two, the only solo artist to have a platinum album in 2014. Definitely beating up Beyonce in terms of overall sales. Pretty much beaten out only by the Frozen soundtrack. Yes, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift taken over the world in 2014. The album 1989. Completely finally moving her out of the country music ghetto and into the realm of pure pop music, and she owns it. I've always respected her talent. I've always thought she is a genuinely skilled songwriter. But partly because of the country background and the fact that she's that she came up through the Nashville system, and I think for a long time felt the need to at least pay lip service to her Nashville fans. She never quite connected with me or felt like she was living up to her potential as a, as a pop artist, and that changed this year. 
And again, it's it's not like Max Martin didn't have his hands all over this record, and for sure, coming up with something like "Shake It Off," which like a footloose for the 21st century, should not have worked, but it totally works. But that's no question. This is just whatever Martin's input. This is just a pure Taylor Swift record. She owned this thing. She's such she's such like a a type A perfectionist type of person that you know she would not have any less than like full control of any of these releases. And again, a lot of uh, style is excellent on this record. A lot of excellent tracks. I'm going to play Shake It Off just because I do think this is it's a track I underestimated at first, but it, it is kind of an extraordinary track. Jeez, even when Christian's not here, I, I can't help but slip into it. Extraordinary. This track is extraordinary. Like every part of the melody feels like a hook, even the weird spoken word bridge. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Mess with the nightmare dress like a daydream at your peril. Even that hoo 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 on the chorus, it all it all fits together like clockwork. And this is what I love about dissecting pop music, is if you look like pop songs now are just these elaborately put together puzzle boxes, just like eighty tracks where every track adds a little something to the final mix. But it's all just eventually going to be, you know, a three to four minute long waveform. It's guys, you can see why the Swedish do so well at it. You know, it's it's that watchmaking background. I'm thinking of the Swiss, aren't I? Are there a lot of Swiss pop hit engineers? I'm sorry, Swedes and Swiss out there, for getting you guys confused. I wouldn't make the same mistakes about Austrians and Australians. I shouldn't be doing it with you guys, even though you guys are in a similar part of the world, at least. It's like I always used to confuse the Midwest and the South, now knowing those are two totally different places. But to me, it's just like, uh, it's all it's all right of here. We only have five tracks left. I'm still sleeping. I need to get back to my vacation, guys. Let's do this. I'm perhaps as surprised as you are to be placing a Coldplay song on my list. But listen, that big stadium-filling, cheesy, side-chained, pumping, kick-drum EDM ballad, which felt like the like dominant sound for a couple years in the early part of this decade, I think it's finally starting to die down a little bit. A little bit. It's still out there, but it feels like that sound has finally kind of hit a wall and it's a little bit on the wane and we're starting to find new sounds to replace it. But nonetheless, your Avicis and your Calvin Harris's and that sound was still everywhere, absolutely everywhere this year. And I felt like you needed at least one big cheesy EDM power ballad to put on this list. And this year, that track to me was this collaboration between Coldplay and Avicii called A Sky Full of Stars. I don't really like Coldplay. I don't like Avicii either. That song I did with Aloe Black, I'm not a fan of. I don't think any part of that track works. This I can get behind. I mean, listen when we play this clip. Chris Martin, he has a voice that's made for this kind of music, like it or not. And Avicii, for Avicii, it finally feels like he's found a collaborator with similar sensibilities who can tone down the cheesiness of his music a little bit. Because even Coldplay, 
they're not usually cheap. Uh, they're usually a shade classier than full-on cheese. Here they get cheesed up a little bit, and Avicii gets a little bit less cheesy. And in all, it's just it's just the perfect amount of cheese. It's like a bag of Parmesan goldfish. Check it out. A sky full of stars. Coldplay featuring Avicii. I, I genuinely really love this track. I don't care, PC music became a thing this year. If you don't know what PC music is, they're kind of a London electronic collective, very much critics darlings, though definitely I think starting to acquire a following in their native England. It's very, very upbeat and sugary and processed and kind of retro and 8-bit and very J-pop. That's the main influence I hear from these guys is it just sounds like J-pop and K-pop. Except perhaps a little bit less processed and a little bit more retro. But for sure taking their like melodic cues and their harmonic cues from that J-pop sound. And a lot of it is messy and a lot of it just kind of feels like producers fucking around. And a lot of it is some genuinely great music. These guys are only PC music related. They're PC music adjacent. They're not technically part of that collective. But I think, it, I think this particular track represents that cross-cultural sound as much as anybody. There are... A hip-hop trio called Kero Kero Bonito. They're British, although the, the lead singer is from Japan and speaks Japanese. She's English-Japanese. This track is called Sick Beat, and she's switching up her flow from English to Japanese and back. It's this kind of thrilling, disorienting effect. And the music itself feels very PC music and very up and not too polished, but a lot of fun. And especially video game influence. There's a ton of video game influences all over this sound. Check it out. If this is what the future of pop is, I'm, I'm totally on board with a sick beat. It's KKB. Let's go. Windows 98, remember those days? Is that all it takes to grab me now? It's just a little bit of empty nostalgia. Oh god, am I becoming an old man at 28? Ugh. No, I'm not. I think that's great. Listen to how young I am. Young and vibrant, and I'm listening to music like that. That's what that music feel. It feels like the sound of youth to me, and I love it. And I'm hoarding it. Like it's the holy grail, and it's going to keep me alive. This track is as much of a, of a hip-hop anthem as I think anything else was in 2014. Because, well, listen, this is not music made for the royals with diamond teeth. This is not music for celebrities who are up in the club dropping huge stacks of cash. Because in the real world, people have to work on the weekend. Sometimes 
you got to go to the club on a Tuesday. For all those people, this is your anthem. Once again, it's it's partly it's the universality of a song like that. Even if you've never been to a club on a Tuesday, you could relate to that on of squeezing in your fun when you can. And I got Zans in an Advil bottle. I don't take those shits, but you do, so I got them for you. Because I'm caring and I'm nice like that. But there's also, it's, it's, the sound of the track is so melancholy. You know, the story, be I love McConan. He was under house arrest when he made this stuff, just on his home computer, messing around. And there's, and maybe I'm reading too much into that backstory, but you can hear the loneliness on that track. You can hear a man who's a little bit disappointed by life. And it's taking his fun and his pleasure the only places he can, and it's still not quite enough, because that sadness is there the entire time. But it's also just incredibly woozy, and he's got a unique sound. Moving from the sing-rapping of somebody like Drake to something that's more just pure singing. That's a little off-key in an entirely charming way, and, and still processed to hell, but feels very human. It's great. Two more tracks, and they're both monsters. One of them, I... Last year, I put the Harlem Shake on my list when it seemed like the Harlem Shake was going to be a thing, and I ended up regretting that and ended up removing it from my list later on. I might do the same with this, but I have a feeling I'm not going to have to. I feel like this track has got staying power. I feel like there was perhaps no more 30 seconds of music more reliable for completely getting people going than this, created by the duo of DJ Snake and Lil Jon. Turn down? Why should I turn down? What exactly do you want me to turn down for? Could you specify? There's... In so many words, here's what I'm asking. I heard at least one uh, outlet call that the number one jock jam of 2014, and but and they're right. And it's not it's it's hard to make a great jock jam, but that's a great jock jam. At a stadium, that kills. On a dance floor, that kills. As a music video, it kills. On the it, it, it kills everywhere. Unlike something like Harlem Shake, the, you can hear the music in the main melodic line switch itself from verse to verse. But really, what makes that work is the charisma of of Lil John, and how great to see Lil John in the Popeye again. Even if it's just for yelling out four words. When has he ever done more than that anyways? He doesn't need to. He is a master of economy, doing so much with so little. My final track is from, as it would, ha- as luck would have it, probably the rock record I've listened to most this year. They're technically metal, but I wouldn't even necessarily call them metal. They're an act called Paul Bearer. They're a, technically a doom metal band, but to me this just sounds like straight-up rock. And man, just... 
the singing tone, which is still very Ozzy Osbourne reminiscent, but now they've added a couple harmonies on this record, Foundation of Burden, which is amazing from start to finish. Such a step up from their debut. And the guitars, man. The guitar- just listen to these unbelievably heavy and layered guitars. So yeah, Paul Bearer, that was the track Worlds Apart, the the opening track on uh, Foundations of Burden. There we go. Once again, and and twice for some of the for all those tracks at the end that I just covered today, going through going through the best music of 2014 because you didn't hear, get to hear it the first time I talked about it. Right, guys, you can hear I'm tired. My throat hurts a little bit. I've been sleepy and I'm continuing to sleep. I feel like a bear in hibernation a little bit, but it's good. It's it's important to have those moments. I haven't been tweeting much lately for the last few days. I haven't been going on Facebook. I've been basically cutting myself off from the world, but that's it's good to do that sometimes. It's not good to constantly be plugged into the world. Maybe some people are fine with it, but I'm not. I need a, a, the, those occasional bursts of space to center myself and to figure out who I am apart from this writhing mass of humanity that I'm constantly digitally tethered to. Maybe that makes me sound like a misanthrope. I don't think so. I love people. I'm just saying sometimes you need space, space to play with the NPC you got for Hanukkah and just spend an entire day fucking around with electronic music, space to just read a book for a day. Guys, I, I got to spend a day reading a book and barely checked my phone twice the entire day. It was beautiful. It was glorious. I'm no technophobe. I, if anything, I think more than the average person, I just embrace, look, this is the future. We're living in it. I don't care if I'm constantly checking my phone or if I'm constantly on Facebook or if I'm just wired 24 hours a day. I'll get the Google Glass and I will get the Apple Watch and I will wire myself up like a cyborg. I'd be happy to. I think it's super cool to be born in the era where human beings have the ability to to do this and go so far outside of those biological limits that we've had to live under our entire lives. I I really do think it's fascinating. But I also recognize the value of breaking away from those things for short periods of time for reflection. Just being alone with your own thoughts is is crucial to having a healthy mind. So I've gotten to just stay alone in a house I'm not usually in, with nobody around, so just kind of this isolated little house up in Encino with just me and a couple dogs, and it's beautiful. Solitude in small doses is a beautiful thing. I'm not going to go into the whole maudlin thing again, I've decided. I know it's the end of the year, and the end of the year is a time for reflection, but I've decided I'm not going to go and and retell to myself the whole story of where I was at last December and how things have changed over the last year and where I'm at now. I've done a lot of those those reckonings. But here we are at the end of 2014, and at least at this exact moment, I think for, for so much of this year I'd been imagining that come November, December, the holidays, things would be wrapped up. 
some stage of my life would be over and the next stage of my life would have begun. And I would just be able to use those holidays to reflect. Think about what I'd accomplished over the year and think about what I have to do next. That this, that this particular week and a half long stretch would just be a perfect spot for one of those reflective periods where, standing, where you're standing on the mountaintop and you're looking behind you and you're looking ahead of you and you're just thinking, okay, let us mourn the ending of one era and rejoice the beginning of another era. But at least this December, it doesn't feel like that. And sometimes things don't just happen in neatly demarcated periods of 12 months is what I've come to learn. And I was expecting some very specific bits of closure this December that didn't happen, but that's okay. Closure's a little bit overrated. And all I can feel right now is that I am in the middle of something big. And I've been spending all this time starting new projects and making new friends and roping them into doing projects with me and joining new groups and doing new types of work and growing my skill set and and building the foundation for something. And here in December, I feel like I've built a foundation for something. If I stopped there, I would just have a foundation. It's the most boring building imaginable. It's not even a building. It's just a base that you can put a building on. Why would I stop with the base? So much is changing so fast. So much has changed this year. Next year, I think, is going to put this year to shame in terms of just sheer overall volumes of change. I've been reading a couple books, but one of the books I've been reading is this book called Superintelligence by Nick Bostrom, who's one of the foremost thinkers of AI, which is one of those topics that always fascinates me. I'm not even that far into the book yet, but just just to name one of the amazing facts he dropped, in the pre-agricultural era... The time it would take, like, Homo sapiens, all of Homo sapiens, to make enough technological progress or societal progress that they would double their total productivity and their total output was about 224,000 years. In other words, if you're going back to, like, early, early, early pre-civilization mankind, the scale of progress was such that it would take about 224,000 years for all of mankind to essentially double its total output, whether you want to measure that by crops or animals killed or just general productivity. In the post-agricultural era, but the pre-industrial era, when we were mostly a farming society, that number was cut to 909 years. And it basically, yeah, that it would take 909 years for all of humanity to double its output. Post-industrial revolution, that number changed to 6.3 years. Meaning that every, since the Industrial Revolution, every 6.3 years, humanity's overall output is doubled. According to Dick Bostrom, within the next 10 years, we're going to see that number change to two weeks. Two weeks. Now you can imagine what it must, be, must have been like to be somebody like, I don't know, some factory worker living in the Industrial Revolution thinking, man, life is changing fast these days. We're working so much harder than we used to. We're doing so much more than we used to. These enormous social changes that used to take like 224,000 years to happen are now happening every six years. They're happening just constantly over and over again throughout my lifetime. It's like I'm witnessing both things that would take place over many, many, many caveman generations every six years. Just so much life being lived in a much shorter period of time. But now I can look back on that industrial age guy and think, man, how many of your lifetimes am I living? 
every two weeks, another equivalent of your six years. So essentially, like, every less than a year, I'm living through another one of, like, your lifespans in terms of total technological and economic change. Especially in media, man. I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Only that I think, like, five years from now, everything's going to be totally different. Like, as humans, we have, like, just no frame of reference to be able to deal with problems like these. They're such unique problems to be having. And I th I'm starting to think even the wisdom of prior generations doesn't help that much. You know, work hard and get, get an education and keep your nose down and be nice to people and treat others the way you'd want to be treated. And you will be able to put together a decent life for, your for yourself with a steady job and a family. I think they probably got very similar lessons from their parents, and I think it worked for them. But I think... In this day and age, suddenly the old rule book is looking more and more like a relic of an age where there were those kind of implicit social guarantees, which there just are not anymore. And you can look at it as scary, or you can realize, like, everybody on Earth is in the same boat as you, man. It's just, let's ride the waves, let's see what happens, let's try to get as much out of this as possible. We're blazing new trails. With no rule book to guide us, we're just left to our own devices to figure out what works, what, how do we make this world work for us? This constantly changing world where we're getting more information thrown at us on a daily basis than like, again, a thousand libraries of Alexandria. It's utterly insane. And also exhilarating and new. And, and I don't feel like something is ending. A year ago, I felt like something was ending. Now I feel like something has begun, and it's not even close to over yet. And I know that sounds cryptic, but I don't know, there's stuff, that, I mean, there's some stuff I can't talk about, and there's some stuff I'm just, I'm not ready to talk about because I'm not ready to, to verbalize it. I feel like there's, this is part of why it's great to just be alone and have some days to yourself, is sometimes there's just things you want to have marinated in your head for a while, until you're like, okay, that idea is cooked. I know exactly what I want to do with that idea, and then you unleash it to the world. And it's also true that there's just a lot of things where I don't know. I don't know, except I feel like I'm responding tactically. I'm taking advantage of every opportunity, and and that's what I've been doing for the last year, and it's been working for me so far, and I think I just keep building off it, and that actualization will happen. I know, for instance, I'm going to continue podcasting in 2014. More, probably significantly more than I had been doing, believe it or not. Um, even after Except the Mystery wraps up, we already, Jackie and I already have our follow-up podcast planned out in addition to other podcasts we're going to do and other podcasts I'm going to do and stuff that I'm going to do with AfterBuzz and stuff that I, I know other people who are like, hey, Josh, I've got an idea for a podcast. Help me make it. So I'm going to help them make it. You might hear me talking with Christian Hanmore. I know he said he wanted to come back. That's just on the podcasting side. Meanwhile, I'm going to continue doing some writing on the side and, some, and performing comedy and getting to meet people, and I saw that like a like a terrestrial radio job opened up in LA the other day for 100.3 The Sound, the local classic rock station. I was like, man, I used to listen to that station a lot. I bet I'd be an awesome DJ for this station. So I applied. I'm just I'm applying for shit like that. If it works out, awesome. If it doesn't work out, I've got other ideas. I think this is just what it means to be a worker in this like highly decentralized you know uberified world we're living in is just you only got one advocate and it's you and you just keep throwing yourself at every single opportunity and never for a second think you're settled and even when you got like a full-time job you're always looking 
at the next thing and thinking, hey, could this be an even better opportunity? And I think they used to call that like being a shark or being overambitious. I think that's just reality to survive in the entertainment industry now is you're just like you're Tarzan, you're jumping from branch to branch. I'm ready for it. And I'm I'm ready to keep hopping from branches to branches for the next 30 years of need be. It's a little tiring and a little terrifying and it's kind of exhilarating too. So that's enough babbling and enough to give you a sense of where my mind is at as I've had these moments alone pondering what's going to come next and thinking it's not the beginning of a new chapter, it's just the continuation of this chapter that's already begun. It seems like it might wrap up in a pretty exciting fashion, but we'll see. We'll see. And I will definitely say one year later, thank you to everybody who's stuck with both Josh figures it out and accept the mystery and still talking to me on Twitter. I love hearing from you guys. Talk to me. Talk to me about things you'd like to hear me do or see me do. I'm open to input. It doesn't mean I'm going to take your suggestions, but I'll always listen. I like hearing from you guys. And I think some of the stuff, some of the podcasts I've made this year have been really some of the best work I've ever done. Some really, really cool, meaningful projects to me. And I'll always have those experiences and all the rest of my life to look back on those things and be like, man, I was on fire when we were doing that shit. It's a good feeling. Now it's just to keep stoking that fire and keeping the fire going, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling peaceful. I'm ready for it. If you're still along for this ride with me, just keep hanging out keep hanging tight because you never know where it's going to go. Keep on following me at Radio TFB on Twitter. Keep going to my website, joshrichman.net. I think I recently updated it, actually. There's a couple videos of me doing some AfterBuzz stuff on there. And stay tuned next week for the glorious return of Accept the Mystery, the home stretch as we talk about Unbroken and some of the Coen Brothers plays. And, of course, we will get to Inside Lewin Davis. But until then, guys, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Hope you guys have a good one. 2015, it's going to be crazy for pretty much everybody. I can just about guarantee that, however the craziness manifests itself. But until then... Catch you guys on the flip side. Ciao.